This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm a really strong believer in like, post what you think is good, not perfect because that doesn't exist. Post what you think is good. And if people find it and like it, fantastic. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Slice Podcast. This week, I'm with Irene Walton, who's an internet personality with media outlets on YouTube. She has a podcast and an Instagram channel. She creates content around cooking, and I'm very excited to have her. This is part of a series that I am starting for personal branding. Nowadays, there's so many ways to create an audience. Many of those ways is online, just as yourself. And this is something I think Irene did really well, so we're going to pick her brain about it. Also, for our sliced listeners, Emily has officially passed the baton And as she mentioned in the last episode, it is certainly big shoes to fill, but I'm excited that you're still here with us. So let's dive into this week's episode. Okay. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for joining. I'm really excited to pick your brain because for those of you listening, Irene and I have actually known each other for quite some time now. Years and years. Back to the old USC days that I didn't go to, but you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we had the privilege of knowing each other back then. And it's been fun for me to watch you evolve as a content creator because, well, let's first have you explain your content because I think it's really funny, really interesting and fresh. Thank you. That's such a huge compliment because... Like you're saying, yeah, it is a very saturated market. So to be able to be fresh is very nice to hear. Yeah. So tell us about the content you create. So yeah. So my content is, um, I host a cooking show that I created called Dead Dad's Kitchen, which is a cooking show that deals with grief and cooking and comedy all in one, because I don't think cooking needs to be too heavy or too scary. And I also do like Instagram stuff and like to share recipes on there and share a little bit of my life on there. And I have a podcast all about food history and just like vintage Americana food, things like that. My whole vibe is sort of like classic American food to make you feel good. And I love it. (laughs) I love it as well. And it seems like it started on Instagram. Is that right? So yeah, so I guess my contents evolved quite a bit. It used to be more just the food that I was making. I used to make these like cakes that said silly things on them, like, don't text me anymore. Or like, I want to break up or like, just like silly little goofy things. A uh, ghost cookie and said ghosted. Yeah, like just well, got I ghosted. <laughs> so I used to focus a lot more on the pastry aspect. And now it shifted to be a lot more about me teaching people how to cook and how to bake through the lens of food brings people together. So let's do this together. 
Yeah. And so were you able to get enough traction with those posts that you had an audience that it then made sense to jump into YouTube? Or how did that evolve? So while I was doing those original like cookie posts and cake posts and things like that, I actually had started working as a personal assistant for a content creator. And she taught me so, so much. I will always be grateful to her. And it was really cool to kind of peek behind the curtain of this industry that I had always paid a lot of attention to. I've always watched YouTube. I've always enjoyed Instagram and social medias. And so learning how it kind of all worked was hugely important. And through that content creator, I met some others who were really influential in kind of having me start my YouTube channel because they were like, there's always going to be room. You're not too late. Just start, which has been really important advice for me. Like just start. Yeah. So yeah, so it's evolved quite a bit, but just like anybody in any industry, I wouldn't be where I was without the people who helped me at the beginning. So I'm grateful. Totally. I've actually heard this like Carl Jung quote. I'm not going to get it exactly right, but he talks about how when you're young, you then go to an apprenticeship period of your life where you're just learning and absorbing and all this stuff. And then he says, on the other side, you get to be a child again, where you get to create and play because you have to kind of go through that process of like apprenticing and learning from someone else before you can put your own spin on it. Like once you learn the rules, then you can kind of put your own spin on it. Yeah, it's really cool to get to make what you want to and still kind of try to figure out the formula of like what other people want to see, what you want to make, but you wouldn't have been able to get there without years and years and years of learning. So if you were to start all over again and had no audience whatsoever and you had to build up an audience again, would you go back and try to apprentice with someone who already has an audience and kind of piggyback off them? Or I don't know, you're the expert here. How would you grow that audience? That's such a good question. I think if I started over completely and like didn't even know how to edit a video, I would definitely, definitely try to like, I don't think there's another option besides like apprenticing and finding somebody who you can learn from and help and just like soak up anything they're willing to give. If I have the knowledge I have now and was just starting over, I would just like, honestly, I would just crank out TikTok videos every minute of every day. Like it is absolutely insane. The growth that is on that platform. I would probably dive into that. I'm like about to go into the whole TikTok world. And part of me, I was like, it would be such a mind fuck if China was just faking all these numbers, making it seem like all these people just to get everyone like addicted to their phones. And in reality, there's like no audience behind it. No, it definitely is the platform where all the eyes are. It seems like there's got to be something though. Like, I know what you mean. Like it's, how is somebody getting a billion views on something? Like it's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. So are you on TikTok yourself? I'm like lightly, if we're talking about like, am I on TikTok all day, every day? But (laughs) (laughs) I don't have much of an audience on there at all. But like I post on there kind of just to be like, look, I have a page on here too. One of my goals is to get better at doing that. And so where's your biggest audience? On YouTube. Okay, cool. And it seems as though you've monetized YouTube. Is that correct? Yes. So depending on my understanding is if you've hit 
10,000 subscribers or a certain number of views per video you can monetize. And that's just when YouTube starts to place ads on your videos for you. So if all of a sudden I wanted to never make a dollar off of YouTube again, but still wanted to post, you have that option. You either have your monetization turned on or off. And so I have mine turned on. Yeah. So you're able to make money off of ads on there and you're able to make money off of a brand deal who would want to be a part of your YouTube video. Right, right. And you get full control over what you charge for the brand deals? Yes, you definitely want to be competitive, but understand like your situation. Like I'm not going to be somebody who's charging $100,000 for a brand deal, depending on the assets of it. But like, you know, Charlie D'Amelio, that would probably be something she would pass on. So it's like very dependent on where you are in the creator spectrum. So is it typically like a CPM model for the advertisements or are you just selling them it's X amount per video? That's it. That's all. For like YouTube ad stuff, it's definitely more CPM based, at least for me. And for brand deals, I I just prefer like a flat rate. So I know my CPM more or less. So I'll be like, oh, it's going to be this much for this long of an ad and X, Y, and Z. Got it. I was looking into, obviously, because we're doing a podcast, what you can charge for a podcast. It is incredibly low. You have to have such an audience for a podcast. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it really is. I'm Since I just, just started my podcast, it's like not even something I'm trying to think about yet because I'm like, ah, whenever you start a new media channel of like a podcast or YouTube, it's like, okay, before I can even think about monetizing, I have to get such a like catalog of things to be able to show to somebody and numbers and all this stuff. It's always like a restarting your whole thing. Yes. I know for our listeners, they're really used to us talking to people who our questions are, how did you get your first customer? How do you fundraise? How do you, and for this type of business, you're basically selling people's attention and it's a totally different ballgame. So I think the questions that I'm trying to ask you are a little bit different. So I hope you can bear with me on that. No, I think they're great questions. So let's say you're talking to the first version of you when you're getting started. Was there any sort of fear or worry or like, oh, I'm putting myself out there? Did that ever cross your mind? Or was it like all in from the beginning? For me, I was never like, scared or nervous because I knew exactly what I wanted to put out. I think somebody who's just starting out and knows that they just want to do it. I think that that might be a little more intimidating because when you have at least a bit of a direction, you know, okay, I'm just going to go right. And whatever is on the right, I can decide from there instead of being like, should I go left front, right upside down, like backwards? Like, I don't know how to start. Mm -hmm. So I would just say like, It wasn't scary for me because I knew I'm going to be talking about food. I'm confident in talking about food. So whatever comes from that, I'll be okay. Right. So I'm curious if when you started, are there certain growth hacks that you were able to be like, okay, if I partner with this person, my audience will go X up or was it all organic quality of content? And if it's a combination of both, where does that mix come in? I think it's definitely a combination of both. Again, like I had a lot of creators in the beginning who were happy to like have me on their channel or come on my channel and, you know, shout me out and things like that. So that is huge, huge, huge. And 
I am a really strong believer and I don't know how, you know, my numbers have gone up and down and backwards and all these things. <laughs> so like, I don't know if I'm, you know, the like social media hacker of post this many times a day with this many hashtags and da, da, da. I'm a really strong believer in like post what you think is good, not perfect because that doesn't exist. Post what you think is good. And if people find it and like it, fantastic. Yeah. Like, that's all I can hope is that somebody's like, I want to learn how to make lasagna. And they see my video and they're like, great. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting from like a business mindset. I come from the world of you don't just make a product that you like. I mean, you certainly can. That's one path. And that's like kind of the path I took. And it was actually a lot harder versus now I've learned about all these different ways to like validate your concept in the market before ever even starting and so it's just totally different versus content I think really is people can tell if you're creating it with that heart and soul and it's obvious versus a product I have no clue if the person who made my litter box was really (laughs) passionate about litter boxes (laughs) or if they were just like this is what the market wants it's interesting that there's that reversal of coming from the self to others for content versus when you're selling a product is typically looking out and being like, where are needs not filled? And I think that that's so sick. Like I love that kind of business mind because I think both take a little from the other one. Like I know that there are people who don't know how to cook. And so I'm thinking, what is it that people are probably most intimidated to cook? And I'll do that. So I'm like, I can fill a little bit of space, but it's so specific. Whereas the business mind who is like, I know that the world needs this. I'm just like, I did need that. I, that's incredible. <laughs> and I yes. think that I'm like, you know, cling wrap, incre- who, who thought of this? And I'm sure <laughs> that that's not like, you know, glad press and seal. That's not this guy's like passion, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could do an episode on your podcast of the history of cling wrap. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that idea. I love that stuff. So- For you, for your business, I'm curious, do you capture people's emails? I don't at all. I should. I don't. So recently I've been like learning a lot about the difference between a rented audience and an owned audience. So a rented audience is when you have a bunch of people on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the landlord that is these tech oligarchs, they can change the algorithm at any moment and the amount of your audience that you can reach will change in a moment's notice. And the same thing happened with Google ads back in, I think it was 2016. They used to put all the ads on the side panel and then after they stopped. And so overnight, like people who solely relied on Google ads were just like wiped out like 70%. So email is a way to own that audience. And I wonder for you, like if you could create some sort of, I don't know, cooking recipe template or little ebook. And the only way people get it is by putting in their email. Oh, that's a great idea. And then you like own the relationship. So if you come out with a new podcast, if you come out with a new XYZ, you just say, hey, here's the drop versus like posting and you don't know who's gonna see it or not. That's, you know, and it's like, it's one of those things where I'm sure in any business, like, 
being an entrepreneur is really hard and you're always like, oh, I should do that. I should do this. Oh, I got to do that. I got to get to this. And that's something I've been like, oh, I should start a newsletter. And the way you just put it now, I'm like, oh, I'll be starting a newsletter today, actually. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So if you want, I can send you from my course, all the newsletter stuff. Oh my God. Cool. That's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And and the reason I bring it up in the podcast is because a lot of our listeners, if they're aspiring entrepreneurs or are thinking about startups, I think the number one most important thing is email because it outperforms social for click-through rates and open rates. And there's a lot to email. Wow. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Not to make this about that, but I was just curious if you were doing that. I'll take whatever I can get. So how do you find brand deals? Are you just cold outreaching? I'll do a mix of things. I have a manager who I love very much. Noah at underscore talent is just an absolute gem. And so I know that I'm always, you know, on his mind of like, oh, I know Irene's a baker and like this sugar company is looking for influencers or this sugar company is looking for cooking shows to be on or whatever. Got it. So that's huge. But I'm also like very much boots on the ground, like literally DMing like Ritz crackers on Instagram or like Teddy Graham or whoever. And I'm like, we would be cute together. Like, let's work together. And sometimes it works. And sometimes I hear nothing. And sometimes they tell me to stop talking to them. And you know, (laughs) it's all fine. (laughs) Some other hacks you can take. There's sites like hunter.io or snob.io. And if there's like a company, like if you know you want to work at Ritz, just add their domain name and it'll show all the public emails of whoever works at that company. Oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> so you could just like cold outreach them and be like, hey, I want to work Give with you. Give me money. <laughs> yeah. Or you could get on affiliate networks like Commission Junction. Have you ever oh, heard of that? No. So that's basically like publishers will be on there. So people who have websites, blogs, whatever, uh, audience, and they'll match with advertisers and then they'll get paid per XYZ. So, Oh, that's cool. You're so good. Well, are you a content creator? You're great at this. I'm thinking I'm like, I, well, I just created this course that took a long time. And I'm like, I think I need to start sharing it a little yeah. bit to get people. You know so much. I'm like, I'm taking notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, my strategy so far has been webinar. So I did an ad into a webinar. Like, what we were just talking about with email, you got to give some sort of value in order to get the person to give you their email. So I'm like, okay, I'll do a webinar and then get their email. And then, so I haven't done any of the content stuff, but maybe I can learn from you. Oh, I mean, you're going to crush it. I don't, th- I don't think there's anything you could learn from me that you don't already know, but I'm happy to help. No, you got the personality. You can't teach that stuff. <laughs> I think you definitely have a great personality for what you're doing. And I love your why. I know we talked about it before we were recording. So if you could share with people kind of your why you do what you do, I think it's really powerful. Thank you. So why I do what I do is because I always grew up with, I was privileged and lucky enough to always have food on the table, even though we weren't, you know, very like financially socioeconomically high on the food chain. But my dad was a stay-at-home dad and always found a way to have like a good home-cooked meal on the table for me, my mom, and my brother and him. And so I grew up just always knowing that food brought people together and made people happy. And when he died really suddenly when I was 17 years old, I was just like, 
desperately looking for a way to feel normal again and to feel connected to him. And the way that I felt that the most was when I was cooking and when I was eating with people that I loved. And after a few years, when everything kind of like chilled out and subsided, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to host a cooking show. My dad pretty much was the one who taught me how to cook. I gotta like do this for him and for me and for anyone else who might be like wanting to learn how to cook and not know where to start. Because to me, it's not like a skill. It's just something everybody should do and should be able to share with somebody. And so I wanted to make an approachable, positive place, even if it came from somewhere dark where people felt comfortable and excited about food. Yeah, I I love that you were able to kind of transmute a painful situation into a passion situation. And I know there's this woman, Glennon Doyle Melton, and she talks about that. She says your heartbreak leads to your purpose and your mission. And because what breaks your heart is going to be different than what breaks someone else's heart. And what kind of makes you feel better is going to be different for everyone. So I love that you followed that there's a world in which you might have run away from it and been like, I can't go anywhere that reminds me of my dad. And instead you're bringing it into your purpose and mission. And I think it's so cool. Thank you. I feel really, really lucky that I get to do what I do. And it's, you know, I've gotten comments of people saying that like their family member, parent, friend, loved one passed away and they used to cook together. And like, they saw a video of mine and it wasn't as scary to like make that special like baked ziti that they used to make together. And like it used to feel too sacred. And now they're like, oh, I can like do it and still feel close to them. And like those comments, obviously, I'm like trying not to cry right now. But those comments are obviously like very touching and moving and sweet. Totally. Yeah, that's amazing. And make me do what I do. So I'm very lucky. Yeah, that's so powerful. I would be, I think, your worst nightmare in the sense that I cannot cook at all. You can. Everyone can cook. Like very much ratatouille vibes. Anyone can cook. I'm like Trader Joe's level. Like Okay, don't let's not pretend like I did not scarf down a Trader Joe's frozen chicken tikka masala last night at like 10:30 at night. Yes, yeah. It's Trader Joe's is great, but the thing is is like it's kind of like going to the gym or like going to break up with somebody or doing any of these things that you don't really want to do. Like you just have to like get in the car and go. Once you're in the car, you're like, I'm already in the car on the way to the gym. I'm going to the gym. So just get the pan out. Yeah, exactly. Like once there's a pan out, you're like, I don't want to put this pan away and not cook something. (laughs) Yeah. So what are your go-tos for your weekly routine? Like if you are busy creating content and you got to whip up a lunch, what's your go-to? Are you ordering lunch? I will usually only order dinner if I'm order. I try not to order food just because I'm like... Let's get it together. I, I, and it's your this is brand. Say, you can't order food. <laughs> this is not to say that I don't think ordering food is spectacular. I think it's an amazing thing. I think it's obviously like I'm not somebody who has the like knowledge culturally and technically to make really good pad thai, but I want to get some fucking pad thai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, like, I think it's amazing that delivery and like takeout has allowed for us to like experience different foods that we might not make at home or foods that we just don't feel like making at home. So I will for sure eat out a good amount, but I try to make breakfast and lunch at home all the time. And dinner will be like a fun little takeout thing if I get takeout. But it's usually like lunches. I love a cold lunch. I love a sandwich. I love a salad. And it's so weird because like 
anything can be lunch. Anything you could have pasta for breakfast if you wanted. But for <laughs> something in my brain, like I'm like, I can't have like roast chicken for lunch. That's dinner. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very like weird. What about you? What's your go-to dinner? Because you're you have a billion things going on in your life. Yeah. So I'm at the point now where, and this is what I was gonna say, another thing, like I feel like I'm getting more and more removed from I think we evolved to be so centered around food. Like it is so important. And just historically, like, like you said, sharing moments with people over food, I think is like so beautiful. And I'm so removed from that right now because I am working on a lot of different things. So I'm at the point where I'm like, what's the opportunity cost of an hour of my time? (laughs) And is it worth it to order some food or get a pre-cooked meal or like, So I grapple with that. But in the ideal scene of my life, I think it would be lovely to have, you know, a partner that I cook with, eat with, and like more Italian style or European style, enjoy the full course of the meal. But I am not in that season of my life right now. So I'm in the scarf down, don't even think about (laughs) what you're eating. And have you ever heard, I think about this saying all the time, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Oh, I love that. I think about it all the time. It haunts me because I'm like scarfing that down. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then you're oh. like scarf and work down and you're trying to. Yeah, it's just all race and no presence. I think that there's some beauty in that though. Like if you're, you're just working so hard to get so many things done and I don't think you should like wear yourself too thin. I don't think you should like, you know, get burnout from it. But like the idea that you're wanted in so many spaces and you're doing your best to fill that. I think that's really cool and special. And, you know, if there's a takeout place you like, you're giving them business. Yeah. There you go. You're keeping somebody's job there. (laughs) That's very true. That's a great perspective. I religiously watch this guy, Kyle Dunnigan. He's a comedian and he puts out content every week and does like Uh a whole live show. And just seeing like the behind the scenes stuff that they do, I'm just like, it seems like that's literally all they do from wake up to sleep like it is a lot of work goes into content creation and so how do you balance all of that work while also having to be inspired enough to create wow what a question it's cool now that like I'm so much in the swing of things that like I know that on Mondays or Tuesdays I'll start recording a video and if that video takes a couple days to record like I have like a jello mold in the fridge right now that's for a video that's coming out on tomorrow. So in the interim of that, I'll be editing the footage that I do have. And then I'll be getting that ready to be able to like format it down to put on Instagram and TikTok. And then I'm researching for a podcast that, so it's like, it sounds like so much. And when I say it out loud, it is, I guess. Yeah. But for right now, it feels very kind of second nature. Like, you know, when you're learning how to drive and you ask somebody, you're like, how are you just driving and like talking to me and like picking up a phone call? And you're like, after a while, it's just so normal. Right. And so it sounds so kooky when I'm saying it. I'm like, well, I have to record this and edit it and then record that and edit it and then get this done for next. And I think it's just one of those things that luckily has become second nature. But the inspiration part is just like anything creative and not just like creative, like painting a picture, but like what you do is very, you have to creatively figure out how you're going to push this course out and figure out this podcast date and do it. So like everything is creation. And the inspiration part 
either comes or it doesn't. And so that it's really important for me to like, whenever it does come, if I can't make it right there, I'll put it in my notes for when I'm maybe not feeling as inspired. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, it'll be cool to do like a video about a hundred hour brownie. But like, I don't have time to do that right now. So like, I'll save that. And then in a month when I'm feeling like burnt out and annoyed, I'll be like, what video should I? Oh, I get, oh yeah, I wanted to do that. That'll be cool. So it's like kind of important to just juggle what you can and balance what you're able to. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think is the most important quality or ability that you have that allows you to do what you do? I think I am just so grateful. I'm just so filled with gratitude that like, yeah, even though I'm not making $5 million a year yet. Yet, yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm still able to bring joy to people and to get to do this and to focus on this. So like, I really try to make sure that that comes out in my videos and in my podcast of like, y'all are the reason I'm able to do this. So if it's bringing you joy, like thank yourself. And so anytime that I'm like, I got to edit this podcast, I'm a very big believer in like switching the have to into I get to. So like, I don't have to edit a podcast. I get to edit a podcast. Yeah, I don't have to, you know, unmold this jello that I am 100% certain did not set and is going to spill everywhere. I get to. Yeah, I love that I get to. And then also the words, I'm choosing this. So I'm choosing this thought, this response. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing this job. I'm choosing this X, Y, Z. Exactly. What content is on the horizon that you're really excited about creating? Is there something you're looking forward to? I've really, really just been loving the video. It's like, it's funny because like in the past month, I've been liking the videos I've been making a lot more because I'm more just like, let me do stuff I normally wouldn't do. And like, that feels really fun to kind of step out of your comfort zone a little. And the podcast is so exciting because like, I've always really loved learning, but I hate homework. So school was very tricky for me. And so having this thing where I get to like learn on my terms, what I want to learn about has been really cool. Like, so fun. Yeah, that sounds super fun. I'm curious if the videos that get the most views on your channel, are you like, you look back and you're like, oh, how did that one get the most views? Or are you like, oh, that was the one I was most stoked about? I mean, YouTube is tricky. I will forever love YouTube. I am so grateful to it. I am so in awe of it. There's so many things about it that I think are incredible. But just like you'll, I'm sure, hear from any other creator you talk to or just like in the ether of the world, it is very tricky to know what's going to do well. Do well in quotes. Like what I think does well is a video that makes somebody laugh and happy. Right. (laughs) And brought me joy in getting to do it. So like those are, of course, the ones that don't like analytically do very well. (laughs) Is it though? Is it the ones that you are like, I think this is going to be hilarious. I love this. And yes, the intention is there that you set into it is I want to, you know, if I reach one person and really touch them, that's just as great. I can understand that level. But then just more from like curiosity numbers guy, like I'm curious, is it reflective of, do you ever look at the ones that don't get views? and You're like, what the fuck? Why didn't that get more views? I would say whenever I get a video that is like, very clearly numbers wise, not doing well, I kind of knew that was going to be the case. Like, and it's funny, because a lot of those are like, I have a couple videos on like how to deal with grief, how to deal with grief 
in yourself or with somebody who's lost someone else or things like that. And I know that those aren't going to numbers wise do well, because that's not something most people aren't coming on YouTube to be like, oh, this girl's dad died. Let me hear more. Yeah. But to me, like, if that one gets 3000 views and a video of me eating every Lunchable flavor gets 12,000 views, I'm just as happy for both of those because I'm like, oh, those 3000 people were looking for this. And that's really cool. Imagine 3000 people in a room. Exactly. Like there's some videos I post and it's not, this isn't a secret, but like, I'll be like single life update. And the thumbnail is me being like, Oh, what happened? And it's, you know, like, (laughs) obviously those are going to get more. It's called clickbait, like for a reason. Yeah. And that's just as fun too. Like, it's fun to like, let people in a little bit. Like, I'm not somebody who wants to share every relationship I've ever had in my life, every bad thing that's ever happened to me. That's just not my vibe. It's some other people's and it works for them. And I'm, I'm watching those videos. So like, thank you to those creators. There's always a something left up to chance about it. Because like, maybe enough people really liked this croissant video I made that it got sent out to 2000 more people than it normally would have. So like, cool, that's fun. But like, it's part of just like any work experience. Like you kind of know what words to put in a title or what thing to put on a thumbnail. And it's kind of easy to figure out sometimes. But what I like about what you're doing is it seems just based on our conversation, like you're not just saying, okay, I need to create in order to please the algorithm. And I think a lot of people now do be like, what's going to please the algorithm? And it's funny to have the algorithm inform the creative versus the the other way around. A hundred percent. It's me and my friends who get to do this too, are just so like, it's a conversation we always have of just like, oh, I thought this video would do well, but it didn't. And so And I appreciate you noticing that because yeah, I do create based on what I think I like and what I think my audience, like, like true people who like me, I'm like, oh, they'll like that I made this silly little recipe or whatever. But sometimes like there are some things that I'll do for sure to please myself and the algorithm. Like that's the ideal. Right, right. A balance. Exactly. Like for me, trying three TikTok viral recipes works for me and works for the algorithm. So like (laughs) that's fun. And some of them are great. Yeah. So sometimes it's a collaboration between me and the algorithm. And sometimes it's just like a blatant disregard. I'm like, it's okay. You don't want to hear about my dead dad's like, you know, favorite iced tea recipe. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting the sense that it's important as a creator to not take anything personally. Yeah. Very, very much. Which is hard. I think the same in business, though, too, because if you're creating a product, it's so easy to be like, people didn't like my product, I suck, versus no, people just didn't like your product, you're still awesome, or maybe people didn't want to hear that particular content on that particular day. Exactly. I think it's in any business, creative, logistics, friggin' product, whatever, like, I think there's always going to be a little bit of an air of like, oh, no, do they not like me? But it's like, you know, anything you make is, is like your baby and you want it to be loved and appreciated. And like, sometimes it's just not the vibe. I will say though, this, I'm getting a moment in my mind of you, even before all the content creation, I think you are someone who just creates even just for you, which is probably why it works. Because I remember you came over with cookies that said baked while hungover. Yes. (laughs) And I thought that was so so funny. Like (laughs) you were still creating funny 
things, even if just for an audience of three or whatever it of was. Three super handsome men. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I just like bake cookies, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I guess the reason I bring that up is for anyone listening, a takeaway is play into what you already want to do. Like play into versus swimming upstream. I've gone the other way where I'm like trying to create something that maybe isn't fully authentic to me. And it's like, it is adding extra work versus doing something that you already love. Yeah. And it like, it doesn't, because I try not to do this often and I'm sure you can attest to it. Like once you've done it and you're like, oh, this kind of feels icky. I don't love that. It tapers off pretty quickly, but there are probably like four or five videos that I've like fully recorded, edited, almost put up. And then like the whole time I was editing, I was like, this kind of doesn't feel like me. And I would send it to a friend and they're like, I mean, it's like funny, but like, you don't seem to be very happy. I was like, I'm not throw it out, whatever. Cause like, I know that those videos would have done well. Like it was like a restaurant I worked at that had roaches in the kitchen. And it's like, that's not me. Like, I don't need to like call out somebody who like did nothing wrong. Like, you know, but it's, it's probably which, more fun now that you have people listening to be like, call out the person. <laughs> <laughs> if they are meant to be called out or whatever, they will. I don't need to be the one to do it. Like, I don't like to bring, I really try my best not to bring anything except like joy and information and like a little bit of laughter. So like, what's it going to do for me to like be kind of mean, you know? Yeah. I try, I try my best. I think that's great that you know who you are, what you want to create. So for those listening who want to create a personal brand, myself included, I'm like, maybe one day I'll have a personal brand. You are a personal brand. <laughs> Thanks. What would be some of your tips to people just getting started? I think some of my tips to people just getting started in creating a brand centered around themselves would be, it's cliche for a reason, but like be true to who you are. Just like we've been saying the whole time, like, if you started a baking channel, that'd be funny because it's like, oh, that's not your vibe. So like, if it feels fun for you, killer. But like, if you're trying to do it because you're like, I think everyone will love my baking channel. It's like, that's not great. Also just like logistically keep things very short and very sweet. That's not always my prerogative, but like, if you have a quick little title and a quick little email and a quick this and a quick that, it's just more digestible in a world where I could go on TikTok for... 10 minutes and see 30 videos. Is that the case though for YouTube? Because I hear for YouTube, it's better to have longer videos for the algorithm. It might be today. Who knows? Because yeah. <laughs> they want to keep you on there longer. It does change platform to platform. But like, to me, I would be more likely to watch a 20 minute video that it, where the title is 10 best Austin restaurants instead of like 10 Austin restaurants I went to and tried everything at. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's Concise. just a matter of what kind of clicks for you. Like, I also like to think of like me as a consumer of content, what would I want to see? So when I'm typing out a thumbnail, I'm like, I tried 24 hour croissants and they were really good is a lot different than like testing viral 24 hour croissants, unbelievable results. I'm like, what's up with that? Yeah. I try to look at my content as a, and a third party consumer would. Yeah. And is that all coming from the heart or have you done copywriting courses or crash courses on copywriting or that's all just kind of like from the heart and what me and my friends sort of mess around and we're like oh my god did you see this thumbnail and then it's like oh I kind of liked it and they're like I kind of liked it too so it's sort of just like research and development 
on my own end, which is, you know, fun that I get to say there's research and development when I'm just watching YouTube videos. Yeah, I was going to say that that brings up an important point. I think people should be consumers of what they're creating. So if you create marketing material, you have to be consuming marketing material, you know, to know what's out there. A hundred percent. And I mean, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. I'm going to sound so unprofessional, but like there's this show called Ink Master, which is like a tattoo competition show. Yeah. And there was a guy on there once, an artist on there once who didn't have any tattoos at all. And he was a wonderful artist. He was tattooing beautiful things, but the judges who are all so gorgeous were like, (laughs) we understand what you're doing and like we respect the work you're putting out, but it is kind of hard to like get past the fact that like you don't have any art on you. So like, it's interesting that you're putting art on other people. And what was his reasoning? I think his reasoning was like, he hadn't found an artist he was happy with enough yet, or like found a thing that he was more like interested enough yet to have on his body forever. And I think that there is like a marginal level of like, there can always be, a tattoo artist who's amazing with no tattoos. Of course. Yeah. But I'm not going to eat a cake filled with dairy, sugar, eggs, and flour from a vegan gluten-free baker. (laughs) I'm going to eat the vegan gluten-free cake and it's going to be great. I like to consume the things that I want to put out so that I can get a good sample size from everywhere. And I, I think that they're is so much room to try so many different fun things. So like, like I'll watch a video game creator, even though that's not my vibe, but I'm like, there's going to be something in there that I can pick out and like. So I think like focus on what your vibe is for sure. And then test other things, try something else out. Like if this person's a dance creator, maybe they're going to really like the camera that somebody who's shooting a cooking show uses, you know? So like, I just think it's so fun to like, Look at what's in your pool, but also like dip your toe in other ones. So what percent of your time, if you had to estimate, is spent either creating content or consuming content or planning content? Oh, gosh. If the pie is 100%, I think creating content and planning, like research and getting everything together for it is probably like 70% of my day. I think that like consuming content is probably like, 25% of my day. Or what about like the free time or the non-content related activities? Like, (laughs) yeah, no, I think that's, that's a good point. And a good takeaway for people is do the thing that you want to be doing all the time. And, you know, I think I like cheat myself a little bit. I'm like on TikTok for my fourth hour and I'm like, it's work. Like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but my brain is always going to be going. It's like that meme that goes around every once in a while. That's like, Oh, you like do what you love and you never work a day in your life. You actually work all day, every day and you never stop working, which I'm very lucky to get to do. Like, I love that if I'm watching a video of another creator, I'm like, Oh shit, that looks good. Like I could be falling asleep watching TikTok and being like, actually, I think I want to make those cookies. Like, and I'll put a note in my phone. So, right. Who are your favorite creators? Oh, I have so many. Well, I love a lot of comedy creators and I love a lot of food creators. So like, I love Niles Abstin as a comedian. I love Emily Fedner as a food content creator. I love, she goes by Food Lover's Diary. Owen Hahn is this great TikToker who um, 
is just so talented. He like makes sandwiches and Jake Cohen is a great content creator. And there are so many people that are just so, oh, and there's this woman, Nabella, who I'm obsessed with. If anybody knows who I'm talking about, you know exactly why. She's just this beautiful woman who lives in this like gorgeous house. And she's just like, hello, today we're going to talk about our pockets of peace. And like just so much joy. And she just had a baby after not being able to have a baby for a while. So we're so happy for her. Drew Afawalo is a great creator. There's so many. So if, if you could have anyone on your show, on the YouTube channel, on Dead Dad's Kitchen, could have any dream guest on it, who would it be? It would be Trixie Mattel. She's a drag queen. Okay. I just like, I look up to her so much as a comedian, as a content creator, as a business owner, as a drag queen, as just like an artist. Trixie Mattel is played by Brian Furcus. And he is just so brilliant. And I love, they're so funny. Oh, dream guest. Okay, awesome. Is there anything that you would want your audience to know about you that they don't already? I'm assuming not because you could just tell them, but. That's a great question. I really try to be as outwardly grateful as I can, as often as I can. But I will always take an opportunity to say like, thank you so much. And to anybody who's listening that is a follower or a friend or a hopefully new follower, hello, Slice listeners. I would just like to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share stuff with you that brings me joy and hopefully brings you joy. And anything that for people who are just now finding out about you through this podcast, oh, hello. what would you tell them? I would say, hi, my name's Irene. Thank you for listening. And... If you guys are interested at all in anything food, we do, I like food history and I like teaching how to make food and I like eating food with you guys. You want to hang out? I'm very friendly. I like new people. (laughs) Where can they find you? You guys can find me on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Irene Walton. And I have a couple different series on there like Dead Dad's Kitchen, Made Easy, blah, blah, blah. I have a podcast called Bites of History with Irene Walton. And I also have a Patreon where we like hang out and talk and do live streams. And I have a cooking masterclass on there. And oh, and my Instagram is homemade by Irene. So you can find me in all those places. Awesome. And we always wrap up with, if you could describe your entrepreneurial, which ultimately you are an entrepreneur, if you could describe your entrepreneurial journey in one word, what would it be? Oh, that's a great ending question. I think exciting. Yeah. It's just so cool. It's not something I ever really imagined I would be getting to do. So I am just like very excited by all of it. And even the failures are just like, okay, cool. Now I don't have to like fail at that in three months. Already done. That's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. The lessons are blessings. Oh my God. I (laughs) love that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, it's been so fun chatting with you. I so appreciate your time. And if there's nothing else, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Michael, thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat to see you and to get to talk to you. And I'm so proud of you. What an interviewer. Absolutely crushed this, by the way. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Sliced, for listening and all your new listeners. Hi, I hope I get to talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Sliced Podcast. 
If you enjoyed listening, we would love for you to share this little slice of insight with your friends. See you next week.